Throws it back and scores! Brady Leibold goes back and forth behind the net, comes out the right side and lifts the backhander up and in. Leibold right here on Dylan. Dylan comes back with a right of his own. Here's Leibold uppercut. Another right by Leibold. Now we got another fight. Brady Leibold got the right hand coming on Tony Mann. Up and over top and trying to control him as Leibold's got that jackhammer right going. Throwing a lot off the helmet. Now Tony Mann answering. But Leibold switched to left and he got a few more in there. Oh, you got to be loving this if you're at the Civic Center. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. This is episode lucky number 13. Um, Guys, uh, before I get started, once again, thank you so much for all the support. Uh, Again, it's been overwhelming. Uh, Please, guys, check out the Hockey Podcast Network. As you guys know, it's a new home of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. You can find them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Uh, check out uh, Terry Ryan's podcast, Tales with TR, of course, and um, they have a lot of other great content on there, guys. Check it out. Uh, and of course, once again, this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Head over to www.teamissue.ca, guys, and use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Uh, I got a package in the mail the other day, and now I'm married to this brand. They have the comfiest hats, the comfiest clothes, and the quality is, it doesn't get any better. And I'm not just saying this. Uh, Again, it's a former Kelowna Rocket, Moose Jaw Warrior in Saskatoon Blade, Jesse Paradise's company. Um, Their hats are phenomenal snapbacks that are flex fit like i said i just don't know if i've been lost for the last 10 years or if it's a new thing but um i love it guys uh taylor and i my girlfriend we seriously i think just ordered one of everything off the website i don't even want to see what my bill is so guys head over there um a couple more things with everything that's gone on it's been a really exciting couple of days but um you know the world works in in weird and sometimes tragic ways and this morning i I woke up and found out that one of my good friends from Aurelia um, overdosed last night and died. And, um, you know, he was clean for a long time, well, over a year and, uh, you know, doing well. And, uh, you know, he was always telling me to get my life together. And I was looking to him, you know, and I hadn't seen him for a little bit. And I found out the news this morning. Uh, So, you know, Sean is his name. I'm not going to use his last name, but uh, buddy, I'm going to miss you and rest in peace. And it's just a sad and cold reminder um, of how horrible addiction can be. And uh, actually, before I even learned about Sean passing this morning, uh, I was talking to a new friend of mine, Erin Miller. Um, You know, she's uh, from Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, and uh, her younger brother, Chad Miller, uh, another hockey player, passed away from a, an opioid overdose about five years ago. And she's written a book called Miller Strong. Uh, I believe it's called, uh, she's got the Miller Strong Foundation. She's a, a real big advocate for the opioid crisis in sports and that and another tragic loss. And of course, once again, I'm sitting in the Matt Lashinsky studio, um, proudly proud to sit in here. Matt lost his battle with addiction to an OHL hockey player um you know looking forward to his parents coming up actually said they would come up and and come up here for one of these uh recordings for a podcast once it's all finished so i'm really excited to have them up here nancy um you know his mom has agreed to come up so that's wonderful 
uh, yeah, just, you know, can't say enough about that. I'm really excited and honored to be able to do that. Um, the last thing I want to say, uh, yesterday I met a new friend named Sean Horswell. Uh, this guy doesn't know me. He does, you know, heard my story and whatever. And we chatted for a little bit and, uh, you know, it turns out that a friend of his owns a Sorcerer Sports in Barrie, Ontario, which is about, you know, an hour from where I live. Um, you know, I've been open, I, you know, I got a pair of skates. That's all I have. You know, I never asked for anything, but he, I guess his buddy owns the store and he called his friend and was like, Hey, you know, I want to put together something for this guy. And, um, you know, he asked me what kind of stick I liked and I really didn't want to accept it, but he insisted. So, uh, he sent me a picture this morning. He got me a brand new pair of gloves, a brand new stick, which my curve, my flex, which is awesome. So thank you, Sean. Once the world comes back to normal, we can uh, hopefully get on the ice. I know you got a son. Uh, that's playing football that you said used to be a goalie. So maybe we can light them up. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. So um, yeah, guys, lots going on. I was on Sportsnet Radio in Vancouver yesterday with uh, James Sabolski, uh, which was great. Had lots of fun and, uh, you know, looking forward to doing that again, guys. Uh, let's get right into the episode. I'm really excited to have this guy on. He's, uh, you know, a very familiar face in, in the world of junior hockey in Canada for sure. Uh, you know, he, and this is the guy that really gave me a shot, uh, in the Western hockey league. He's now the head scout for the world junior program. I mean, the prestigious world junior program in Canada, and they actually finally won a gold medal again, maybe because of this guy, um, Brad McEwen. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Well, Brad, you know, you and I haven't talked for uh, quite some time. There's been lots going on. Obviously, you've been really busy. <laughs> uh, you know, you've been in the junior hockey world for over 30 years, Brad. Um, what's that been like for you? And uh, what's the biggest change you've seen over the course of 30 years? a good friend of mine and scouted for me and Swift so we certainly go back a long ways I was excited when uh, when you reached out and said what you were doing and the life you were living I was excited for you and and, and uh, uh, it's great to hear your voice junior hockey um, I have been involved with, with, with the game for 30 years at the junior level and, and uh, there's certainly change um, I think a lot of change for the better as, as we go through the years um, you know, I, I think with junior, the, the, the probably the, the, the biggest change is the demands on the players, demands on the coaching and staff and the expectations to win. You know, we talk a lot about development and moving players on, and, and, and that is really what it's all about. But I really find at the junior level that, that winning and, and productivity – uh, has brought a little bit of instability, especially on things that, you know, on, on, on what I do and have done in you know, half of that 30 years, uh, I was a coach, uh, coached in uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League for 10 years as a head coach and uh, coached in the Western League uh, six years, two of those an assistant coach. And, and really the past six, uh, 16 years has all been on the player personnel side, uh, scouting side, uh, managing side, 
So I, I've seen it from both sides, but one thing that is common is is the demands that uh, are, are put on all all the partners in the game, and and that's players and managers and coaches, and uh, it's an interesting uh, world we live in in terms of the, the game because uh, only one team can win in each league a year, but yet. Um, uh, pressing towards the wins and the expectations to win uh, takes a toll, and, and it takes a toll on everybody. And I'm not sure if that's totally the good thing, um, but it is where we are. And uh, you know, and again, moving to what my role is now and my current job in being the head scout of Hockey Canada, and uh, being so heavily involved, obviously, in the U17 program and our U18 programs and, and our pinnacle of our program, the, uh, the World Junior, uh, it's all about winning. I mean, when we go to the World Junior especially, um, you know, and Canada expects it, and we understand that, and we expect it, uh, it's gold or, or nothing. So I live in that world every day, but from a club perspective and a development perspective, uh, it's, it's interesting uh, how that has changed the landscape, how competitive it is, uh, I had a conversation with a fellow yesterday just on this topic, and it's interesting. Does that does that get in the way of development? Does it get in the way of participation and all those things? That's an it's an interesting area. But uh, personally, I love my thirty years in the game. I, I love junior hockey. Uh, I love the people in the game, uh, and so many uh, people I've met along the way, and and. Uh, so it's, it's, been, it's been really good that way, and, and, and junior hockey, I, I think, is flourishing uh, in terms of the teams and uh, the players, and, you know, everything has just changed because of the, the media exposure and social media, and uh, it's different, but it's still a game, and uh, I still love to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, you've been in, in the junior world for 32 years, Brad. Uh, like you said, you started, you got your start in Melville, Melville with the Millionaires in the 88-89 season. I mean, I was only like two years old then. Um, not to not to age you, Brad. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you were you were the GM and the head coach there. You've had experience, uh, so much experience um, at the at that level. I can't even imagine how many games you must have watched and coached and, and just like my dad you mentioned he's always at the rink too and um you know you really got to have a love for the game um to really sink your life into it i know it's a job and it pays your bills but at the same time uh you know it it is a job and there must be a ton of pressure like you said uh, you guys squeaked out a win uh 4-3 versus russia in the final it's uh, were you guys really expected to win that tournament? Because I'll be honest, I, d I didn't catch a whole lot of it, and I usually do, but um, I was kind of not in the best mindset. That was kind of when I was just getting, uh, piecing my life back together, and it was still it's still kind of hard for me to watch hockey, but, um, you know, I, I did catch that you guys won, but uh, what was that experience like, you know, winning that gold medal, Brad, because after 30 years, I mean, you you didn't win a, an SJ championship. You, you didn't win a Mem Cup. And I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. I haven't either. And most people don't. Right. Um, I've only won a beer league championship and we barely did. I'm not even kidding. And we barely did that. Uh, shout out to the Flyers, my boys on the Flyers, because they're awesome. But uh, that was years ago. But yeah, Brad, like to, to put all that time and effort in and then to walk away with that gold medal, that must have been amazing. 
Well, it was. It was a culmination of, of a lot of things. But, you know, I, going back to my career, you look at uh, what, what has always driven me is the competition and, and the chase. You know, the chase is, is what I love. And, and, and trying every single year, it's a new start. And you build teams and you involve and work with teams. And every year you have a chance, for the most part, um, to do something special uh, with, with the kids that you have. And, uh, you know, every year, there's lots of times that uh, like didn't win, didn't finish it off, but so many years came just so close. Um, and then finally being able to win uh, in 218 in Buffalo uh, with the World Junior team. Um, that was my first year with them, and and just the absolute feeling uh, of, of of joy, of relief, of doing it with a group of people that were so special uh, and worked so closely through the process, and then again, really no different this year uh, when we when we won again, and the international game, obviously with Canada, uh, we're expected and. We should be in the mix every year for a gold medal, uh, and that—that that is the exciting part. But it's also the pressure field part because the international game uh, is so tight. The game and the teams and the countries, and I think I think fans and people realize how good other countries are becoming. But um, it is—you look at us and the program and where they've come from and how competitive and. Sweden, you know, they're so good. They, they develop players. They're, they're competitive. Uh, you know, maybe they had a little bit of a downtime six, seven years ago or ten years ago, but they, they've come back the last five, and they're really good. Finns, Finland is, is so competitive. A small country, uh, tremendous passion in their game. Um, and then, you know, you look at the other country, I mean, and obviously Russia, I forgot to mention them, but, you know, they're – uh, nemesis uh, and it's interesting with their team is that they've almost changed their style a little bit and, and they're playing more North American maybe than it was the way that we played the game more 10 years ago um, uh, they've kind of gone more to the grit and the heaviness and, and the forecheck uh, where we have gone more to the skill and tempo and pace uh, so uh, they're extremely hard to play against and you look at this year and the way they handled this, uh, the first game in the round robin, um, uh, going through and playing them in the Russia series in November when the CHL, we go through and play a six-game exhibition season with them. Uh, you know, they bring about half their potential junior roster over over to Canada to play, and, and, and we're using each league of, of the CHL. We put the team together, so... For the most part, uh, we do have some college guys that were, were major contributors, but majority of our team is, is going to come out of those three uh, leagues. And uh, so you get a feel of, of how they play, how their coach, their head coach is the coach over here. So you get, you get some intel on, on how they play. And honestly, we came through there as a staff, coaching staff with Dale. Uh, Mark Hunter was our manager and tremendous hockey guys and, and, and going through that process we knew that boy oh boy Russia's, Russia's a good team and they, they're hard they play, they play hard so you know we knew we were up against that and, and how does that dictate our team a little bit 
Um, and we certainly have a philosophy of how we want to play. Um, and I think we stick to that. Um, but, but to the tournament itself, you know, that was, we had such a good game against the U.S. We came back, lots of emotion. Then we play Russia and get, a, you know, get our asses handed to us in, in some degrees. And, and, uh, uh, and then, you know, kind of pick our pieces back up and, and, and play well for the rest of the tournament. Um, and then, uh, you know, going through the playoff series against the Czechs and, and the Finns, it was, you know, I, you could see our game was growing and growing, and that's what you hope for in those type of tournaments. And kids are playing hard. We loved our group of guys. And, uh, and then getting a chance to play the Russians in the gold medal game, it's, I think, you know, you've been through enough series and games that, you know what, if we would have had to play them in a, in a best of seven, um, you're really uneasy about it, but uh, again, when you when you go through one game, and, and again, this is uh, experience I've gained, is that when it's one game, even at the even at the club level or whatever, if it comes down to one game. Honestly, you probably have the best chance to win. You know, um, you can get a hot goaltender. It works the other way, and it did in the Lincoln tournament over at Czech the year before, or, or that previous summer where we had a really really good team uh, with the old two players. Um, and and uh, the Russian goalie and the gold medal just absolutely stole the game. So it can work both ways, but, you know, when you come down to one game, and honestly, I thought this was our best chance to beat them. Our team played hard. Uh, we got some breaks. Um, and uh, that's, that, that is, again, uh, one of those one-game situations. The breaks can either go for you or go against you. We certainly got some breaks that went, went in, our, in our favor. Um, and uh, found a way to win. And uh, again, you look at a game like that, and, and our top guys, Lafreniere and Hayden, and um, all the guys, the top guys, they just they just played so well. But we got lots of mileage out of lots of good players. Like uh, one of the things that I find with with the national team is, you know, when we go out, I get the beauty of what I do and the privilege is I get to watch all of the best players. And it's, it's a different scenario than drafting players. It's a, you know, it, I worked with the Flames for three years as, as a scout, and you're speculating five years out, and you're trying to gather information and build a profile down the road. Juniors, about two years out, you're building that profile. But for us, we're building a profile for now, for you know, two and three years away, or pardon me, two or three months away till the event. So. We can identify the, the biggest challenge we find is just, you know, coming to a player identity and then determining what that player looks like and then build our roster accordingly. And that's what separates all these good players. It separates can they, can they play in a team or not. It doesn't mean they're bad players by any stretch. Again, we're, we're dealing with the best players in Canada and we do have a lot of good players. Our, our, development model and, and our players are good good players and they're so well you know they're committed they're trained you know in, in, in terms of that but um so we build we build it according to that and, and then honestly as you go through the events you understand a little more uh, of, of of what works and what doesn't work and you know i thought our team was well built um and it was extremely well coached uh, by our staff, led by Dale. Um, and I say having Mark Hunter involved in the player personnel side and playing a heavy role there, I, I, that was 
uh, a tremendous advantage that we have because of his background and knowledge. And you look at what they've done in London and built teams and and, uh, and his experience at the NHL level. So we had a really good staff that put that team together. And it, it was – so when you see a, a journey uh, end with a gold medal, um, you know, you look back at all the years and all the rinks – that you've been in, and, and it certainly makes it well worthwhile. And I have never, honestly, I've never looked at my career as, as geez, you know, felt sorry my, for myself because we didn't, we didn't win this or didn't do that. You look, for, you always look to the next day, and, and you get up and you keep improving, and you keep looking for ways to improve. And uh, so when it all came together, you know, in, in eighteen, uh, or and, and last year. Um, or this past season, uh, it was just such moments that you can share with your family and the team and the people that you spend lots of time with. And it was extremely, I mean, you became a world champion, uh, two times over and that certainly doesn't get old. And again, in, in Canadian hockey, that's expected. And that's the, that's the world we live in. And I, I couldn't be more excited to get up every day and work towards that goal and, you know, we, we, we won uh, this past year, but pressure's back on. And I uh, just finished a call with our our national junior team coaching staff and management staff uh, in, in regards to next year's roster and, and uh, uh, player personnel, player selection. So uh, we're right back at her and uh, and uh, back to work. So it's, it's exciting. Uh, but then once it's over, you got to turn the page and let's do it again. Yeah, for sure, Brad. I have a quick question just uh, off the top of my head because you do get to watch so much junior hockey. And, um, you know, I haven't had a chance to ever watch the USHL. I don't know if you have, but people say that maybe that's the best junior hockey league in the world. But I find it hard-pressed to say that uh, there's a better junior hockey league than the CHL as a whole. Now, in your opinion, out of the three leagues, what is the best league right now um, as far as... Uh, overall, I mean, overall average, what is what is the best league out there right now? And, and has it changed over the years or has it stayed sort of the course the same? Like, how do you guys judge that or could you even? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it could be judged. Everything could be ranked for sure. You know, I think the CHL, and again, I'm biased because you know, I worked in the league for 17 years in different capacities. I believe in the model they've got, I believe, and how they develop players and the people running those leagues and the values. And, and again, there's always issues with every league in terms of one-offs and, and everything's not perfect, but I think uh, organizations work hard uh, within their city and, and do the best they can with the resources they have. So I think the CHL for sure is, is the best junior league. The USHL is a real good league. You know, it's, it's competitive. Um, it's a little bit older, uh, my understanding. Uh, probably a little less scoring in that league. Um, but I think the CHL overall is, is a tremendous league. And then the three leagues within uh, the CHL, um, there's differences. And again, I, I love my job from... Uh, the perspective that I can go through, you know, I, I watch all three leagues, I watch every level, uh, junior A and, and all that. And, 
and, and I get to see the differences in the league and I can see the differences in the way they play and I meet so many coaches. One thing about this job I do now at High Canada is the people I meet within the game and, and the managers and, and the coaches uh, from all over Canada uh, getting a chance to talk to them and and listen to them, you know, tell, talk about players and their experiences. And, you know, I every year I work with uh, six uh, coaching staffs um, throughout the year. We have three U17 teams. So you know, I work uh, not as heavy with them as, as 18s and, and U20s, but certainly uh, have a hand in being around them and, and, and being involved in that process. So there's three staffs there. You get a chance to work with our Halinka U18 staff in the summer extensively, our U18 World Championship staff extensively, and then our, our, our World Junior staff. So that's one of the, the, the pluses and things I enjoy about this job is just meeting so many coaches and, and, and listening to their stories in, in regards to player personnel and, and, and their leagues and, and uh, how they need to play within the CHL. You know, probably Ontario uh, is consistently the best league, and and that's no disrespect to the other two. And, and again, I live in the West and worked in the West, so I, again, I have a bias. But the OHL, I think, with sheer numbers, I, I find that their rosters probably have a little more depth uh, uh, when you talk about CHL talent. Probably a little more, little more depth in terms of their rosters. Um, and it just produces more players uh, at the end of the day. And again, you look at sheer numbers in Ontario, whether it's 14 million or whatever it is. And, and certainly when you look out west in Quebec and Maritime, it's not, they don't have the numbers. So it, it is going to, uh, there is going to be a difference. Uh, but I find the third lines in Ontario, there's still a fair amount of pop on those lines um, offensively and where I, I find maybe in the queue in the West, it drops off a little bit um, more. But, you know, it, it's every league uh, has its strengths and, and uh, weaknesses or challenges and in terms of, in terms of uh, uh, you know, players uh, moving on and developing in the West. And, I mean, we pride ourselves on, on the challenge of travel and the commitment uh, of all those things and, and, and believe that it does make, uh, it builds character. It does help in the, in the development process. Quebec has, you know, they've got challenges in terms of, of, uh, uh, of their travel. It, it's, a, it's a hard league to travel to. Uh, you've got the Quebec English piece to it, which is a great uh, cultural experience and, 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 and builds character and all those kind of things. That's all a positive. Uh, you know, in Ontario, you know, you've got everybody's closer, uh, but uh, I think in, in that setting, the development opportunities, and, and everybody's got their development opportunities, but I think Ontario is, is really advanced, and they're doing some great things with their player development uh, as a league, and uh, almost just as enterprises uh, in, in Toronto that, uh, you know, we're, we're developing a lot of good players. Uh, the challenge that we have to do in, in the industry itself is, is keep the costs uh, in, a, in a reasonable place so that all kids uh, that want to play have an opportunity to play. And I think that's one of our challenges is that we may be losing out on some really good athletes because of uh, the cost to play. And, and I think every, every 
partner and everybody invested in the game is aware of it and trying to, to find ways to, 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 to make it easier on families and kids to play, and that's important. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. Uh, who's, who would you say is the, the best junior hockey player you've ever had the privilege of watching? Of watching? Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't see a lot of Connor McDavid. Uh, I did see him. I was working for the Flames. That was my first year working with them. And I got to watch him at the prospect game, and then I followed him uh, for a couple of games um, with some of our other scouts. And, man, oh, man, he was good. Like, <laughs> I didn't, he didn't have to be much of a scout to, to know he was going to be a player. Like, um, just, you know, you can just sit back in your seat you know, as you know, we get in free to <laughs> free to the game. So, uh, but he would I would have paid for him. Like he was, he was entertaining and so you know his intelligence and his skill. I mean, his skating was off charges as we can all see. But him for sure. But another one that I really enjoyed was Brain Point in Mooshaw. Brain Point, uh, I would have paid to watch him play. Like uh, again, playing a little bit of a smaller market and. Moose Jaw in Saskatchewan. Uh, I'm not sure if people realize how good this guy was. I mean, he's, you know, he went deeper in the draft and kind of came out a little unknown, played World Junior, but a depth role. Um, but boy, oh boy, was he good. Like, so intelligent, so competitive, so skilled. He just wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a big guy, but, you know, it's translated all into the NHL. I mean, he's an elite guy at the best league in, the, in, in, in Canada, but for sure, he was he was uh, one of the best guys I've seen. Uh, Barzell, um, you know, you know from out there, uh, certainly was so skilled, um, and the way he played the game, the way he possessed the puck, and could make plays, his vision uh, off the charts. Uh, at times, you, you know, you'd like to have you know, when you're watching, you say, "Geez, I wish he was a little more urgent to his game." Or, but that's one of his strengths, right? Poise, patience, and uh, but certainly Barzal was another one that uh, that uh, was yeah, a I've, player to I've watch. told this story uh, on one of my earlier podcasts. If people haven't heard it, I actually met Maddie when he was like 13 years old. I was uh, training at Burnaby Winter Club uh, with Kai Hainonin, who was a, my trainer at the time. He's still training guys. He trades a bunch of pro guys and guy up and comers. But um, you know, I just me and him and I had a skating coach just waiting to go on the ice and there were some kids out there before me uh like two o'clock in the afternoon I'm thinking these kids should have to be should be in school or whatever but I'm watching I I remember watching and there's like two kids out there one was like Justin Zito I think he played in the dub too but um then the other one was obviously Matthew Barzell and like he was 13 or whatever the time and I'm watching this kid in awe and I remember talking to his dad Mike Barzell they're from Coquillum too right but I didn't know him at the time but I asked him like would he like to stay out with me and he did right and he came and skated with me a couple times when he was young and I mean he was probably better than me I was like 24 he was 13 I'm not even kidding that's how good he was and um you know and then obviously he went he's he's had a tremendous career already but yeah it's kind of a funny story and then he trained with us we did martial arts together um you know and then obviously you know i fell off the wagon and he he kept on doing his thing and now he you know he won the calder trophy and he's you know one of the best players in the nhl as far as i'm concerned um well and he is and he, he's a little bit polarizing you know through his draft year because everybody can see the skill um but everybody 
where you just had questions when, you know, when the game really got hard or this or that. Now, you know, he went and won the Western Hockey League. They were in the final one year and won the next. And, and he certainly uh, uh, put that to rest. But just the way he played, you know, he's such a lateral guy. Uh, you know, he's not a, he, there's no directness in his game, right? And sometimes we we take that as scouts, we take that a little bit too much of a negative rather than really appreciate how skilled he was and how poised he was. And um, I mean, that pick where they got him, and you look back at the draft, and that's always the easy thing to do is, is in hindsight, in our business, I mean, that, that can kill you. Um, because again, you're drafting on the knowledge you know at the current time, and you do the best job you can. But you know, when you look to see where he was gone, and uh, and other teams had chances, it's uh, you know, it's, teams missed out. But that's the way it is. And, and but he, he is he is a good skilled guy. Absolutely. I actually I had um, Doug McLean on, and I put him on the spot about Gilbert Brule and Anze Anze Kopitar. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, right? But yeah, that's the way that's the way it goes. But um, Brad, I met you, uh, I think, probably like 2001, 2002, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, what do you remember about me as a, as a kid, as a 14, 15-year-old kid? Well, I, I remember uh, the skill you had, but I, what I always liked about you, Brady, was there was lots of energy, there was an edginess, there was uh, hardness to your game. You know, we just talked about lateral play and direct play. Your 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 play was pretty direct, and you had enough skill. Right? Uh, There's lots of uh, lots of pieces of your game uh, that I liked, and, and obviously we listened to Swift Current. And you know, your dad I think was always a little bit, you know, he was proud of you and 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 and, and the way you played, and, and he knew you were a really good player, but he, he was always a little bit cautious, uh, you know. Or, around us you know, he didn't certainly want to but it just it got to the point where even i said and a couple of like you're just too good like why isn't he on a list or whatever and i don't care if your dad's going for a smile we need to get you on the list with a legitimate chance and that's kind of that's what i remember and kind of how the whole thing happened for sure yeah, well yeah i well i i remember that and i you don't know this but i remember you calling me i was at uh whatever my my ex-girlfriend from high school the one that I quit for and all this stuff whatever and it was not her fault it was my fault she's actually a really nice girl doing really great things but um you know just young and in love and stupid um and not realizing that my hockey career was uh you know could have been a lot more than it was but I remember you so you called and um you know I told the story I went to the under 16s uh, you might not know the story but I said on the podcast and I ended up quitting after the first ice session because uh Garrett Hunt and Mike Hangen uh were like you know threatening me or something which is unlike me because usually I'm like first in there and to fight but I think it was just like I was just more scared of getting cut and I felt like they were better than me and um you know all those kids that were there were drafted in the Bantam draft I wasn't and I was like I'm like kind of fell out of place and so I pretended to be sick and pussied out and um whatever and never went so i went back to the under 17s and whatever and made it to the top 40 camp and um did all right in a soyuz uh and then you know i had every intention on going to everett's camp the silver tips because they were a newly ex uh, expansion team um there to scout ed friesen who also worked for you guys in swift um you know and so they had and i had uh, invites from 
I think every single, at that time, every single team, like I wasn't on their list, but every single team I was invited to main camp pretty much in the Western League after going to that top 40. That's just what happens, right? They just send out emails type thing. So, okay, you're there. If you're not on the list, we'll invite you type thing. So um, I had really had my heart set on the silver tips. I'm not kidding you. My password for my email was silver tips. Like um, me and my dad were going down there and like, I was like, hey, like that was in my head. It was like, in my mind, Brad, it was like they're an expansion team. Like maybe I can play for them because they're like they get like the expansion draft players and they're looking for guys. And so that was my mindset at the time. So anyways, uh, I go to the top 40 camp and I, I remember I sent in my paper. I'm yeah, I'm coming to Everett's camp. It was in Strathmore, Alberta that year because whatever their facility wasn't um, had ice in it or whatever the case may be the reason. And um about August or whatever, I get a phone call and it's you and you're like, yeah, Brady, so we've listed you. I was pissed. I was not happy. As happy as I was to be uh, a member of, uh, you know, that was a dream come true. Like, but with the circumstances, I was pissed. And uh, I remember, you know, I talked to my dad about it this morning, actually, um, because we flew into Calgary uh, before my first training camp with Swift Current. And we had to drive through Strathmore and I was like, just, I was like, just let me out of the car. I just want to go to the Everett camp. Like, I don't even want to go to Swift Current. Like, this is retarded. Like, you know, but I ended up, what do you remember about my first training camp there? Because I don't know if you remember, but that was probably the best hockey I ever played. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I remember you playing real well. That's an interesting story because it kind of jogged my memory. It was a while ago and I, I am getting a little older. But I, I think what really drove us to, for me to list you was, you were going to Everett, and I, I just felt, or we as a staff felt strong enough that, you know what, this like Brady's a good player. Like we we need to get him here, and, and obviously the connection with your dad and 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 so forth, um, uh, and that's one of the reasons uh, that that we, we we listed you is that we knew, um, you know, through your dad or whatever, you're going to Everett. And, you had every right to go. You're a free agent. But one of the things that we said, listen, once we list you, you can't go to Everett. Now, now we get first dibs and get to look at you and have and get our opinion. It doesn't work. It doesn't work out. It's nothing, you know, nothing lost and, 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 and such. But it is a, it is the one way to get a young guy into your camp to have a look and see. And you came in and had a real good camp. And, and I, I do remember that. And, and I do remember that uh, as you went through the process, um, you know, we were, we can we continually debated every night as you do at every camp and go through roster and scenarios and where the young guys fit and that that's always critical is 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 where the young guys fit and what you can offer them. Can you offer them enough to make it worthwhile? Or and even with, as time has gone on, my opinion has changed on young guys. And I, I think more young guys probably should play, go back and play another year or so uh, to really maximize their their, their ability. But at that time, I, I, I remember you were in the mix. We had an older team. We had a, you know, we our expectations were high going into the year, so that changes things too. Um, but yeah, no, I remember you did have a good. Yeah, well, I got I got hurt too. I got a really bad Charlie horse. You probably you probably don't remember, but I remember like so. It was like honestly at that time I had a really good rookie camp. 
um, you pulled me aside and you brought me a contract and I signed it. And then it was the blue and white game in the rookie camp, which is an inner squad game for people that don't know. And I got hit and I got a Charlie horse and it kind of stopped me on my tracks. Actually, I ended up going home and playing junior B because uh, back then there was no major midget or anything like that. So junior B was like where all the good younger players would go to play with the older players that weren't good enough to play junior A or WHL or whatever. So, um, you know, but I was also in the mindset too, like I was like, okay, well shit, maybe I can make it as a 16 year old. But then I was like, Oh, I got nervous when a main camp started coming around. I was like, I almost kind of like wished the injury into my life. It was crazy. And then it happened. Um, but here's a story that I don't know if you remember. And my dad and I also talked about this one. So, um, you know, at that time I felt committed. I was playing with the Ridge Meadow flames, a junior B team that's been around forever. And, uh, you guys came out west to do your Vancouver swing, and you guys called me, and actually, you guys brought me skates. Uh, Jamie LeBlanc, you like the team, you guys bought me skates, yeah. I remember, yeah. um, and Jamie LeBlanc, the trainer, had them there. It was really cool. Like um, That was like my first pair of skates from a team, and it was at the Pacific Coliseum where I grew up watching the Canucks and Pavel Bure play, and uh, you called, and uh, you guys were there, and I went to practice. Um, and I did the morning skate with the team. And uh, I think Alex Lentowich lost a bunch of teeth or something uh, that morning. And it was just crazy. And I remember skating with, uh, you know, like Hangi and Suey. And um, so anyways, I skated. And I was having a really good year as a 16-year-old. Like I was first team All-Star Junior B, MVP of the All-Star game when I was 16 Junior B. Like, but like, and just having fun doing my thing. And so you guys call. You guys were actually like, "Hey, like, we want you to play tonight." And I had a game with my Junior B team. And I told you guys, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, for sure, I was playing." But I was so nervous and so scared that I was like, "Nope, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not gonna play because I'm committed to my team." But really, that wasn't the reason. It was because I was chicken shit. And that's that just goes to show you though you know and i talked to these guys um you know a few of these guys i've had on and um you know there's a few guys that have just like astronomical uh confidence and i was never one i was never one of those guys and i think not getting drafted in the bantam draft and being that it has a big it, people don't understand it has a big psychological impact and it's hard to get through and i'm trying to get it trying to figure out how I can help these kids, uh, you know, get through some of these challenges and be open. And that's really my goal, um, you know, dealing with some of these things, because you know how hard it is uh, to move away from home and to deal. You must have had to deal with how many kids going through stuff. And a lot, most kids are so focused on hockey that it's no problem and it's part of the dream. But I really struggled. You you uh, left Swift Current. Uh, you were went and you were part of the Lethbridge Hurricanes for my junior after, um, you know, for the rest remaining part of my uh, Western league career. Like once I came back as a 17 year old and made the Broncos, you were no longer there. Uh, you were with the hurricanes, but uh, you know, it, it just in the dressing room and then all of a sudden you don't get drafted to the NHL and that changes things. The dynamic in the dressing room in the major league or major junior world. Um, a lot of people might not understand that too, but um, 
Brad, I want to say thank you. As pissed off as I was that you that you did that, uh, you know, you gave me a shot, and and I couldn't have been happier. I, I went to Swift Current, and I got Rookie of the Year in my first full season there, and I loved it there. And um, you know, I had struggles because I missed home and missed my girlfriend at the time, and just a dumb young kid. And obviously, I quit when I was 18 and went back, and it's a crazy story. But uh, you know, I really do love that town, and I love the Broncos, and. Um, I always say there's something about the water like the water kind of tastes like dirt in the ring but it's the best water in the world and the best ice it, I, I swear to God and uh, I really just I love I loved putting I stepping into that dressing room Brad and Swift Current you know for the first time was such a cool experience and um, you know but yeah not playing that time in, in the Pacific Coliseum like you know that was I think my dad was that was just like one of the first times my dad looked at me like what the hell is wrong with you kid you know and it was a it was a it was a you know a scene for things to come but uh you know i i have a couple more questions that i things i want to talk to you about and uh you know what is like the main thing that you're looking for at the junior level i mean obviously there's different positions um but for anybody listening for parents or uh players listening because i mean let you're the head scout for the most prestigious program in Canada as far as hockey goes because right now the Olympic team doesn't even have NHL players on it and really the world junior at Christmas time like what else is going on that is like it almost stops the country in its tracks Brad and you're the man behind the helm so I'm really curious as to you know what is it that you're really really looking for to be able to be a part of team canada is there one thing that's in your guys's philosophy that um you know that really stands out uh, you know the one thing is is without a doubt it's, it's skill we we want the, we want the best skill and, uh, and that's that's an easy general statement but i, I think at one time through our national team um, we almost got to the point where we we're trying to think ourselves in terms of slotting guy. We need this type of guy. We need that type of guy. And, and it dictated our selection. You know, we needed the checker. We needed, a, we needed this. We needed that. Where now our, our philosophy, honestly, is that we want the most skill that we can possibly get. And then the expectation is the coaches will coach the skill. And, and they will manage it. And they will put those players in positions uh, and that's a little bit of the challenge is some of those spots that you put those guys into they're not that's not their comfort level that's not you know what, what we deal with everybody plays you know 18 to 20 minutes of the forward on their team on their club team and everybody plays from the back end everybody's playing 18 to 24 minutes at least with their uh, with their club team so not everybody can play that many minutes and that, that, so the challenges of the coaches is slotting people and convincing and managing those personalities into those roles. Now, skill, you know, it, it, it talks to this, but now what we're trying to find out within that skill is who's, who's the most competitive. And honestly, in today's game, it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I find that the competitiveness of kids uh, can go up and down really, really inconsistently. Uh, so, you know, that's that's an area that we really dive into and do a lot of work on is how competitive they are. Uh, sense, IQ, think the game. Again, we're talking about what we consider at this particular moment the top junior guys in, in Canada. 
uh, and and top players uh, to play with top players. You've got to think the game and you've got to react to the game. And uh, the game is so fast, and especially at the international level, you're playing all the best of your peer group globally. Um, and you have to be able to think quick. You've got to react, and, and uh, so that's another piece. You know, the, the skill oversees everything. The competitiveness, the uh, the sense, the, the the IQ, the the thinking process, the 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 activity in your game, you know, and, and being able to react and do those things, and then you have to skate. And it just this today is it's, it's funny because I was watching a game last night actually. The Oilers were playing the Philadelphia in in, in the playoffs, and and you know you look at uh, the game was hard. Uh, then and, and skill was was okay, but the skating is what I noticed. Like uh, there was a lot of varied types of skaters, good and not so good uh, at that time. But now, if you can't skate, um, you're going to have a hard time, especially at our level because of the pace. And again, even talking to Andre again this morning on selection, and you know he, he reiterated again, like you need to skate, like. You the game, the game is such offensively, but also defensively. Like, you know, when that puck turns over, you've got to have a group of five guys. Your forwards have to track back, and they've got to catch those guys. They've got to put with the pressure on the backside. Uh, that's just an expectation. And you have to be able to skate to do that. You've got to be able to think. Um, and then when you, when you transition back into offense, same thing. You've got to be able to make plays at a pace. You know, you've got to push it at a pace, but be able to impact the game while you're doing it. So so those are the type of things, uh, really the four areas that we put a lot of time into. And I think that, you know, when you get specifically into club teams and, uh, you know, I, I think people, you know, every club team, every club has their philosophy according to their manager and coaching staff. Ours is a Hockey Canada philosophy, like, uh, we ask our coaches to, here's the players, uh, and now you have to not adapt, but you got to look at your tech block or te- tech pack and, and what you want to do, uh, realizing this is the type of player that we're going to get you because this is we believe this is what's successful. So we have to work closely uh, with our staffs in doing that. But those are those are the attributes, um, uh, and again, it just. You know, it's competitiveness, it's, it's, it's the high IQ, the thinker, uh, it's, it's the pace you play at, the skating ability, and just overall skill, uh, being able to make the play. And, and it's, you know, uh, the young guys, you know, when I look at it and say, you know, this competitiveness is, can be really inconsistent, I think, in, in our game, but the skill level is extremely high. Like, the things that these guys can do in the puck. Um, is amazing to be honest and uh you know it's it's a fun piece of what i do because again as i said when i started this ramble is that uh, i get to watch the top guys you know i don't have to sort it out in terms of okay where does this guy fit uh, you know um i get to look at all the top guys and we, we, we analyze from there and i think another thing a little bit that at one time you know size used to be a factor and size still is a factor like if you can small guy or medium-sized guy versus a bigger body guy and they've got the skills, same skill set and same attributes, 
you want the bigger guy, like just because of the way the game play and the, and the, and the battles and all that. But it's not something that I put a lot of thought into. And it's, you know, it's not a lot, especially at the national game, at the international game. Again, you look at what, you know, how St. Louis won and they were tremendously skilled and how their team was built and they were big and hard. And I, I get that. But for our program, um, it doesn't become as important. Um, and again, you look at the Russians, they were big and hard and, and uh, they, they, were, they were a challenge. And, and we had enough size. I mean, just, it just evolves with enough size because of, of our talent base. But uh, it's not something that I, I think in junior and hockey in general that uh, size at one time maybe was the overriding factor. Uh, now, not as much for sure. Um, you know, we're looking for scale and pace and, and uh, the ability to transition and, and those type of things. Um, where you want the size is probably the way the goalies are going and goaltending is going. <clears throat> you, you like the size that could move and that's athletic. Cause that does give you an advantage. For sure. And Brad, what what do you think of the international game versus the NHL game? Is that something you'd like to see come over here? Is that uh, do you like that game better? Or I mean, I think there's pros and cons to both. But what's what are your what's your take on it, really? Yeah, there's pros and cons. Uh, and honestly, I like the North American game. I, I, I like the more we can play over here internationally. Uh, I like uh, because I think we're better suited for it. But yet, you know, again, because our game now is built more around skill when we go on the bigger ice it doesn't hurt us as much i still think we have a our difficulty is adjusting offensively um to get more inside and 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 get into the shooting area for whatever reason on the bigger ice you tend to kind of stay out on the fringes and not not penetrate and and, and 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 that has to do with the, the European teams. Um, you know, they defend, they understand their ice a little bit better than we do. Obviously we put a lot of time into it when we're preparing. But, you know, they 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 you look at the Finns for an example, like the Finns can be real frustrating because they they'll get one goal, they'll get up one nothing and then they're just hardcore into a defensive shell. Like they just they they, they want to beat you. One nothing or two one, um, because like we believe we can outskill them. Like we can do that, and we can out. We have more depth, and that's one of the advantages of some of these countries is that their first two lines are as good as our first two lines. Where we can we we can win the matchup a little bit is is with our third and fourth and our thirteenth fourth. But I find on the big ice that the teams kind of retreat and and protect that middle, and and we have a hard time, really hard time creating offense um so i like more the north american game and where we are because i think there's a little more action uh there's a little more of the quickness you can get inside you don't just kind of sit back and protect the middle now some teams do and it's called trapping at one point but i don't think teams trap as much uh and, and i'm referring more to the old trapping way teams defend and bring different looks and those kind of things but um i think the, Europe, the difficulty with Europeans is just um, they're more they're happy to sit on a one nothing lead and win that way. Where I think we are more of a push, 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 push. We score one, we want to score two. We score two, we want to score three, and and that creates a little bit on the defensive side. But I like the North American game. Um, 
I mean, Canada definitely has the best Canadian hockey, or not even, sorry, just the best Canadian hockey players. Canada has the best hockey players in the world and the best hockey minds. And, uh, you know, you're definitely one of those. Brad, definitely leading the way in Canada. It must be great, you know, to just realize all this hard work you put in is, you know, really paying off for you. It's so great. There's only like a couple more things that I really want to touch on. Um, one is uh, I had James McEwen on, and this might be a loaded question for you. He's the face of the class action lawsuit against the CHL. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about concussions these days. I've had a lot. Um, I kind of flip flop on the idea of the lawsuit because I don't see, I don't want any financial, any so I'm not looking at sinking the league or anything like that. All I'm, all my point a bit is I would like to see some changes uh, mostly what I would like to see changes the scholarship program in the CHL Brad is that um, you know uh, yes guys that play in the NHL probably don't need to use their schooling but if I want to work my whole life to be a pro hockey player why do I have to decide at 20 years old if I want to go use my schooling now or if I want to go grind it out and chase my dreams um, because we all know going the CIS route I mean the only guy to go really make a career out of it after that is Joel Ward and um, you know, so I, at the same time, yes, if you're not playing in the NHL at 20 or you're not, you don't really have that, you should kind of have an idea, but still there's so many guys like Burroughs and all these guys that grind it out and make it. So who's to say, why, why should they really say this is when you can and cannot use it? That to me, that's not fair because, you know, I struggled for 10 years. I have nothing to fall back on. I could sure use that scholarship money. Um, and my last thing is, is. Uh, you know, I lost my teeth when I was 17 years old playing with the Swift Current Broncos against the Medicine Hat Tigers in an exhibition game and with about three minutes to go. And, you know, I had braces for six years. My poor dad had to pay 5000 or ten, whatever the money, astronomical amount of dollars is to get teeth and braces, even though I told him not to because I knew I was going to get him knocked out. Um, but whatever. I don't listen to him. He didn't listen to me. I guess it's a two-way street. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, uh, I got him knocked out. And as you know, there's supposed to be a doctor and supposed to be a dentist there. And I guess the dentist left. So, But I skated across and, you know, I picked up my teeth, Brad. They were all knocked right out the root and everything. I picked them up. They were in my hand. They could have put them back in. Um, but the dentist left. So I remember getting on the bus, butter, putting them in a thing of milk. Um, the trainer showed to Jamie LeBlanc, putting him in a thing of milk because that keeps your teeth. Now, uh, by the time we got back to Swift Current, the dentist uh, came and I went to emergency dentist, but the teeth were dead by that time because it was two or three hours or whatever the, whatever it is. And uh, so they couldn't do it. Now, fast forward all these years later, 
uh, about a year and a half ago, I broke my plate and obviously I'm going through a rough time. Now I'm better, but I'm still don't have a lot of money. I can't afford to buy I have no teeth right now. So if I lose my teeth in the WHL game like that, should they not be responsible to pay for my teeth in that circumstance? I know you can't maybe answer that question, but I've reached out to Ron Robinson of the WHL um, and some of these people and they basically tell me I'm beat. Like, is that fair? especially on the scholarship side, um, it's been a point of discussion for years. I mean, when I managed in the league in the early 2000s, I was always an advocate, and I'll be honest, is that I thought players uh, shouldn't be given the opportunity to go on on, and try minor pro, like uh, try the East Coast or American League on American League deal. Yes. And, and, and given some leeway, because again, that's what we promote uh, within the CHL. We promote the opportunity to be a professional hockey player, and we develop. Um, so I, I always believe that um, you know there should be some leeway in there uh, for for guys to go uh, and try uh, for two or three years. There has to be a point where. Of course, I agree. You know, I, you know how, to me, there has to be. But I think I think the window uh, should have been more. So, you know, as a public record, I, I believed in that. Uh, the rest of the league didn't, and that, that's 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 their right. And again, I'm not a, I'm not an owner, so you know, one of the teams I work for, primarily two of the three were uh, community-owned teams. Um, I do I, I know for a fact there's changes to the education contract now which are, are real positive changes and i think there's i think there's a there's a league knowledge and chl knowledge that, that these things have to keep progressing um because the challenge is to keep kids uh in in the chl and keep them playing in 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 canada where we want them to play and develop so i think there's always there's those discussions so i, I, I what you're saying uh, is real, and I think it's important. I think it's being worked on still. And again, when I talk, when I, was, I mean, that's 2001, 2002. That's a long time ago. You know, so you'd hope that things would change a little bit. But I, I, I know they have changed recently, really a positive change, and they do keep discussing that um, because it is a challenge. I mean, we encourage guys to go and try pro and live the dream, and, and it's important. You should you should chase the dream. I, I think that's Well, the thing is, is like, yes, they paid for like a plate when it first happened, but that they're only good for like a year or two years and then they break. I mean, like a teeth is a lifelong thing. Like for me to lose four teeth like that, 
there should be, in my opinion, I should be, have the opportunity to get implants put in now after I'm done or whatever the case may be. It's not like every single player's losing teeth, but there's quite a few. I have a lot of friends that are missing teeth now, um, you know, and don't have a lot of money to fix them or whatever. And it's all, uh, to be honest, Brad, I'm not, I care a little bit. Um, I don't care as much now, but I'll tell you what, when I was going through my hard time there and I didn't have teeth, I really had no confidence because, I mean, I was now, it's one thing if you're a hockey player and you don't have teeth, it's a joke, ha, 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 I'm a hockey player. But if I'm struggling and I'm on the street and I got no teeth and now I just look like a homeless whatever, it's it's really hard. So it, there's more to it, right? It's a self-esteem thing. Um, I'm just, a, I'm a little bit disappointed with the way they've handled it. I'm just trying to, get a little bit more exposure out there, not just for me, but for the other guys um, and for the yeah. future generations of players. Right, Brad? Um, yeah, oh, for sure. I, uh, I appreciate you doing this. I know that we've probably gone past the time. Uh, before I let you go, I need to make a, a correction because uh, on the last podcast, uh, I had Garrett Joyce on. We talked about the article he wrote. Uh, we talked about the article that he wrote about the bus crash in Swift Current. Um, as I said in that podcast, I have not been back to Swift Current, unfortunately, for uh, 12 years. Um, Garrett Joyce hasn't been back either for quite some time. Um, my old billet, Carly Weeb, now Carly Olfert, who you may know, the Weebs, Jeff and Don Weeb, they yeah. used to have uh, yeah. Jeremy Reach and all them. They were my very first yeah. billets in Moise. So anyways, Carly just sent me a message on Facebook that says, listening to your Gear Joyce podcast, thanks for the shout out, but I want to let you know that there is now a monument um, at the crash site that all the WHL teams stopped to pay their respects at. Um, all of the rep Bronco teams in the town, I guess, do it too. So that is great news um, because Gary and I, Brad, if you didn't hear, we just discussed that at the museum in Swift Current, there was no monument for the bus crash. Yes, there was something in the rink um, for the four guys, um, but I want to update the listeners. Um, I'm very happy to hear that. And that's great that all the teams stop and pay their respects because uh, we can't forget about those guys. And obviously the guys in Humboldt, uh, it's just a tragic, tragic accident. Um, but that's great that the town of Swift Current's done that. It really doesn't surprise me because the town, the people of Swift Current are so great. Um, anyways, Brad, uh, listen, but I really appreciate you doing this and your busy schedule. Uh, you know, I, maybe love to have you on again sometime closer to the world juniors or maybe after uh sure. your busy time i would love to to catch up with you again i i just can't say enough how much i appreciate you coming and taking the time to do this with me and uh, again giving me a shot back when i was 15 years old um you know i i do appreciate that brad thank you so much and all the best of luck you know i'm a huge uh, team canada fan especially around christmas time so go canada go uh, i'm rooting for you pal thanks brady I will for sure and uh, I just want to give a quick shout out again to Regan Bartell because he to me is one of the best play-by-play guys and I listen to him and try to just see how he interviews people so i'm nowhere near regan but uh the colonna rockets the colonna rockets play-by-play guy regan bartell what a fantastic gentleman that guy is and one of the best in the business so um but thank you brad again for doing this and i look forward to talking to you soon thanks brady take care bye brad
Thanks again to the head scout of Hockey Canada, Brad McEwen from Whitewood, Saskatchewan. It was awesome to catch up with him. He's doing great things with the World Junior Program, bringing us gold medals back to Canada. So that's great. Thanks, Brad. I can't wait to watch the World Juniors next Christmas. Now that I'm back to a clean and sober mind, um, I can finally enjoy hockey once again. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. Uh, to see Canada in the World Juniors again next Christmas time. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking to, forward to sharing that tradition with the kids. Uh, hopefully Brooklyn and Brody come back around soon and I can share that tradition with them. And of course, um, Hadley and Lincoln up here. Uh, Lincoln's Taylor's little guy. He's uh, going to be two in August. I can't wait to get him on skates too. And uh, you know, I just envision, you know, my family coming together and, you know, Brody helping him skate. And I got another one on the way, uh, you know, make it a little hockey family or, you know, whatever these kids want to do. I just hope that they all come together and that, you know, we can all love each other. And I just dream of having this family to come together. And I just sure hope it happens. Uh, you know, guys, if anyone's struggling out there, reach out. If not to me, to somebody else, you can look me up on Facebook. Uh, if I don't respond right away, I apologize. Um, but I do try to get back to everybody. I love to meet new people. Uh, without you guys, this, you know, I, I wouldn't even have a show. So thank you for listening. Um, thank you so much just for all your comments. Um, you know, I love it when you ask questions. And just I like to be involved with the people that are listening. And uh, yeah, guys, I just can't say enough about you. So thank you so much. Please uh, subscribe wherever you're listening. Check out um, the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet. Follow me on Twitter at Hockey to Heroin. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, if you do need someone to talk to, I'll give you my cell number. Just let me know and uh, we can arrange a time to talk. Uh, I'm very lucky that I have mentors in my life like Brent Sopel today, uh, Sheldon Kennedy, um, and a lot of good friends. So, you know, I'm thankful today that I'm clean and sober. Um, it was a tough day. I lost a friend. Rest in peace, Sean. Uh, I'm going to miss you, pal. Um, guys, stay safe out there, you know, and if you're struggling or if you know somebody that's struggling, you know, don't give up and don't give up on them because, you know, change can happen, guys. Um, thank you so much. I love you all.